Seacast got his boy Dunks over there, and I got you. Yeah, true. I feel like I lost. Welcome to JudgeCast. My name is CJ Schrader, Level 2 Judge from Smyrna, Georgia. With me, as always, is the indomitable Jess Dunks. Hello. Hey, hey Jess. How's it going? Unfortunately, I'm Jess. Hey, Jess. Okay. Unfortunately, Brian Prilliman couldn't join us today, but we have a couple of guests on today. One is uh, pretty familiar to longtime listeners of JudgeCast. We have Sean Kedanese. Hello, Internet. Sean, have you noticed I'm always doing an impression of you whenever I start the show? Uh, I, I recognize the words. It's always, hello and welcome to JudgeCast. Additionally with us, we have Justin Turner. Justin, say hi. Hello. Hello. Justin Turner, who are you? I'm a man not to be trifled with. <laughs> That's true. I am the regional coordinator of now beating Sean Catanese's region by one judge, the largest judge region in the world. By sheer That's number. only because I haven't submitted my most recent judge test. Oh, okay. Very good. <laughs> uh, we, we got that Atlanta Judge Conference coming up, and we got like 21 people we want to test, or something insane. So I saw that spreadsheet the other day. It's pretty crazy. We're gonna we're gonna jump up there. How many judges is that in your region, there, Justin? 211. 211. Wow, that's yes, crazy. That is, that is well. Let's see here. Do I get? To, do I have to count everybody in my region? No, I'm kidding. Um, oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's that my. That might be more than the U.S. Southwest, but I don't know for sure. Because Did you get that thing from Andy that had the judge uh, numbers on it? It had you at 210 and me at 211. Oh, right, that one. That's like months old, though, isn't it? Whatever. That's the latest data I have. Okay. June, as, as of June 30th. Yeah, see, I have a I have a map with pins and dots and stuff that I update in real time, so, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you. <laughs> you have strings with, like, who certified who, so you can have this, this web of judges. Right, even with your fancy map, you're still willing to acquiesce that 211 is more than you. Well, 211 is more than 210. I didn't say it's more than what we have. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we don't have time for you to count your pins. Yeah. All right, Sean, maybe you should introduce yourself, too, because we actually have had new listeners since you uh, were no longer on the show, believe it or not. Yeah, great. That's actually great to hear. Yeah. Um, so I'm a level three judge from Berkeley, California. Uh, I run the U.S. Southwest as its regional coordinator for the judge program. Uh, that means that I've got four states uh, that I work with primarily. Uh, that's California, Arizona, Nevada, and Utah. Uh, Utah, Arizona, and Nevada groups each have between a dozen and 20 judges in them, give or take. And California has more than any other state, more than most countries, including Canada. Um, we have about 160 judges in the state right now. Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, and, and we also have, within a 20-mile radius of me here, we have one of each of the five levels in the program. Um, so it's a pretty concentrated area and uh, a pretty active region. I'd say that our, our California group especially has one of the most active and vibrant uh, communities in, in the program. More active than Italy? Uh, we give them a run for their money, but I mean they have the they have the regional coordinator for regional coordinators in their region, which is Christiana. So like I, it's hard to beat that. Yeah. So we only have one quick bit of news to go over today, and that's basically we have the winners of the Magic Online Judge Open for 2012. I'm going to attempt to read their names. The winner of the first mojo was uh, Tamavit Art 
Taznavites. He's a level two from Thailand. And the winner of the second mojo was Joe Lau, a level two from Hong Kong. So congratulations to those guys. Do you do you guys know what they won? Uh, PAX, and they got that uh, original art Sylvan Library. No, I'm sorry, not original art. The one that's in the uh, Commander's Arsenal art. All right. Yeah. It's, and also, it's just exclusive. Yeah, they also get some QPs, I think. Yeah. I uh, I didn't get to play in the Magic Online Judge Open, so I'm pretty sad. Oh, yeah. I did, but I had a very bad experience. As did I. <laughs> I. I forgot to submit my deck. So I built it, and I'm sitting there talking, and I'm like, oh, here I go, I'm going to play. My opening hand is three of the colors I'm not playing, and my deck is 140 cards. Seems pretty good. So I, I had a bad day. Were any of those uh, Battle of Wits you could have no. it? <laughs> Although I had a Battle of Wits in four-pack sealed today, that was a joke. It's unfortunate. Jess, what was your... Oh, it was just, uh, I, I, due to the fact that I was working on Saturday prior, I could only play in the second one. Mm. And uh, that, uh, my time here on the West Coast started at midnight. Yeah. And uh, at about, you know, 5 a.m., I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm done, I'm dropping. And, uh, and it was just, it was just an awkward, like, ugly experience because I was so tired. But it was the only one I could play in because the only times they had them available here were midnight and 7 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I, I did not play in the Mojo because I don't play Magic Online. Well, that's sad. That's not. They don't have it for Mac, so. Yeah. But I have okay. worked with one of the winners, uh, Joe Lau. I've worked with him. I think it was Worlds 2010 in Japan. I'm pretty sure. I, I met him there. Worked with him there. Nice guy. That's cool. All right. Well, astute listeners will note will have noticed that uh, both Justin Turner and Sean Kedinese have a thing in common here. They are both men with sensual deep voices yes but additionally they are both regional coordinators and that's the topic for our show this week Fortnite. i think Fortnite is the correct term uh yeah it was in 1867 yeah nobody yeah. uses that term anymore this bi-weekly era sure sure whatever anyway guys we want to just talk to you about what is uh you know what's regional coordinator being all about what are the How'd you get into this gig? All that kind of stuff. So let's start with the very beginning. Can you guys give us like a brief overview of what a regional coordinator is? Not it. Okay, for sure. I'll <laughs> do it. CCAT went over this a little earlier, but my, my region is Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, North South Carolina, and Georgia. And what our job is, is to essentially be the center point of contact liaison between players, judges, and tournament organizers alike. And players and judges, we're, we're still working on some of the kinks on the TO side. But what we're essentially here to do is just make sure somebody always knows if they have a question about essentially anything relating to organized play or the judge program, they have a single point of contact who has the contacts at Wizards and brands that are necessary to get the answer for them so that they don't have to be mired in customer service or asking, you know, MTG Salvation forums what they need to be doing. Uh, the, the RC program is here to do that, as well as to coordinate and develop the advancement of judge communities in each of the states that they're in charge of. Uh, we're, we're empowered to remote certify judges that are in a, in a remote location that can't get to a L2 to certify them. Uh, we're empowered to create practice exams for any judge that, you know, wants to shore up their knowledge, wants to get in, in communication with you. And, and the final thing, which actually usually ends up taking the most of my time, is 
we are the focal point of feedback for all the judges in our region for staffing for large events, Grand Prix, Pro Tours, things of that nature. Star City Opens, they're actually really good about getting in contact with the RC for feedback on any judges. So it's really good for you to have a relationship with the RC because we're usually the first people that get asked, hey, do you know this guy? What is he doing? How is can he benefit our events? Is there something we can do for him to help him grow? That's That's really the majority of what I do is a lot of communication because with 40 GPs, 40 Star City Opens, there, there's plenty. Of, there's always an event this Saturday that I got to get people for, and then that's that's pretty much the, about it. All right. Sean, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I guess there's there are a couple things, too. Um, one is that we are called out in the list of requirements uh, for the, the often called the checklist for uh, getting to level three, Regional coordinators have a specific line in there uh, where we can be one of the one of the recommendations for level three for any judges uh, who are looking to get there. Um, and so I spend a fair bit of my time trying to figure out whether to write a recommendation for somebody who asks one, asks for one, uh, and then also writing that recommendation. Uh, those are some of the things that we, you know, writing a level three recommendation is something that we. It's it's one of those things where it's it's a pivotal point in somebody's judging career when they, they make that transition between level two and three. And so getting it right and getting the feedback right, getting the assessment of that person right is, is a real important thing. And then also uh, dealing with serious concerns. That's also something that we, we do with and, uh, you know, generally speaking, don't like to acknowledge the possibility that judges can act in any way other than awesome. But occasionally judges do act in ways that are not awesome. And when they do, uh, we need you know, regional coordinators are often a point of contact either for that feedback from uh, players or, or stores or other judges, um, and we either deal with those uh, often by just going straight to Andy and talking to him, Andy Hecht, the manager of the judge program at Wizards, or we uh, or we have other ways of dealing that within, with that internally. On the flip side of it, too, we're uh, responsible for um, organizing conferences. That's a big part of what uh, a, a lot of the regional coordinator time is, is devoted to. And then recognition, which is sort of the opposite of those serious concerns, is getting judges who are really doing an awesome job in promoting the program and helping out their communities, getting them uh, some form of recognition for that contribution, whether that's uh, through shipping them a couple extra judge foils saying, hey, you did an awesome job here, congratulations, I really appreciate you doing this wonderful thing, or if it's making sure that um, you know, the next GP that comes up, they get a high priority for being on staff for that or something like that. Uh, right, making sure that recognition happens, though. I got one more thing, and it's another thing that I get questions about probably more than anything else. Name tags. <laughs> RCs are for point for name tags. If you do not have one, your RC is who you contact because they are who has them if they are available. And if you have lost yours, they're also the person that will request your replacement to be put in the next print run. Or they'll yeah, I, get you one printed that doesn't actually have your name on it. Yeah, they might do that. Well, it has your name in parentheses. Yeah, that's because it's a step closer. It is. I have a, um, I have a, a six-pound bag of name tags sitting here next to my desk at home. Uh, yeah, mine's is... not quite that. <laughs> so Turner is always threatening this, but can you guys really decertify people? We can recommend people for decertification. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I see. The truth is out. The truth is out. You can't do it. I, know I can't believe you would ask me this on a recorded line. <laughs> I knew you had to answer honestly. 
Yes. Uh, the, the truth is, the, in the serious problem thing that, that uh, Sean was talking about, if it, if it goes to the point where it's just completely irreconcilable or they've done something like committed a crime that, that has to do with uh, what they're doing in the judge community, it's our job to report that to Andy with all the facts and recommend them for decertification to be processed. Uh, we can write a decertification review without going to Andy, but it's not going to be very effective. <laughs> you ever had to do that without going into details? Uh, well, I didn't have to do it. It was before I was RC, but it's it's happened in my region once. Yeah. Um, I prefer not to comment on specifics. Oh, there's no specifics. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I prefer not to comment on whether or not it's happened and, and in what context. Uh, just there's a it's a sensitive issue and. Um, I mean, we can definitely talk about the, the, the yes, it's it's something that we deal with. So. That's fine. Judge Cass asking the hard questions. Investigative journalism at its finest. So I'm curious, like, what do you guys, you know, on a day-to-day basis, what do you actively do as a regional coordinator? Are you, you know, do you set aside some time for it? Is it something you just kind of handle things as they come up? How does that go? Email. Yeah. A lot of that. Uh, the, the RC position, at least when you first take on Holden, you're not, you're not really sure what you're doing. Like I, I, I'm about to come up on the one-year anniversary of being one. It, it starts off as almost purely a reactionary position. Uh, you know, you got a judge that needs a name tag. You got a judge that wants to know why they're not getting on staff for a GP. You got a GPTO emailing you, hey, here's my staff list, take a look at it. You got a PTQ store that's never had a PTQ before that's given the opportunity on you know, contacting you. So you're, you're purely in a reactionary mode. As you get more familiar with dealing with those kinds of requests and handling them in a quick and efficient manner, you start to have more time freed up to be a little more proactive and start doing cool things like the organizing conferences and the recognitions and the writing recommendations for a level three advancement and spending time to to judges in different areas and trying to build communities and start initiatives and start projects. Uh, so it's, it's, it starts out pretty reactionary, but it's supposed to evolve into you being proactive and growing the whole magic community in your region. What Justin said. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's the short answer. I mean, that's that's the, the long short answer. But yeah, that's that's what we do. I mean, ideally, I I don't want to spend probably more than fifteen twenty hours a week on being a regional coordinator. But it is probably you know there are weeks where it has taken me thirty forty hours of actual time. There are weeks where I do more or less not much at all, aside from read a few emails or answer a few emails. But generally speaking, I'd say it averages to around fifteen twenty hours a week. Uh, so. That's usually time in the evenings um, and weekends, but occasionally that's, you know, midday, I'll answer a quick email, something like that. I do work from home, so it's pretty easy for me to just sort of switch gears quickly for a quick thing that comes up. We also have, like, we have a lot of regional communication channels. Uh, Like, for instance, in, in mine, we have one communication channel for each of the three bigger states. Uh, Nevada sort of just melds into California. Uh, but the California Facebook group is one of the most vibrant communities, and in fact, Jess knows this firsthand. Uh, one of those vibrant communities in the in the California in the uh, the judge program, and we have a lot of communication that goes on there. Um, and we we need to sort of, you know, sometimes that's the job of a moderator to like end a discussion that's not really appropriate for that, or sometimes it's you know recognizing people or encouraging people to be part of an event or something like that. There's a lot of other stuff that goes out there, but. Yeah, Justin covered it pretty strongly. I mean, we have a lot that we do uh, for the program, but it's it's all a lot of fun, too. 
Yeah. Did you ask us to walk through a day? Well, I don't know if you really can. That's what I was trying to get. Now I wasn't sure. Oh, sure. I mean, you don't actually sit down. Well, I do. Okay. Let me know. Tell me later. Oh yeah. Here we go. A day in the life. <laughs> uh, so I, I actually also do a lot of it uh, while I'm at work or at home. But usually my first thing to do in the day in the morning is to check all the emails because a lot of the RCs, at least half of them, are in Europe and Asia. So there's activity that goes on. They have a regional mailing list, just like the judge mailing list uh, that we have to look at. I uh, check and see if there's any requests in my personal email because that's the email that I use. Uh, then I go on Facebook where we have all the different state Facebook groups. You're mostly aware of all those, Mr. Schrader. We have the Florida one, the Georgia one, Alabama, Mississippi, and North Carolina one. South Carolina's kind of bleeds into North Carolina. They use theirs. A lot of vibrant communities there. Uh, I'm also a moderator of that MTG Judge study group, which is up to like 680 members now. So we do the same thing as the moderating things that get out of hand on there. I got to deal with that. Uh, then I hop on IRC. And I try to make myself available there all day for people to come to me with whatever they got going on. Um, I, I don't really try to be like, hey, I'm RC every hour. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. But if enough people, if somebody asks an RC question, I'll, I'll usually try to answer it or direct them to where they need to go. I, I spend a lot of time doing that. I, I think the, the IRC presence is, is probably what I spend the most time doing because <clears throat> I can talk to a lot of leadership in the region that are active on there as well as reach out to people that aren't in my region and just, just help them out if they're on IRC but not really familiar with the, the modus operandum of communicating in the judge program. And uh, that, that, that's about it, unless something comes up. Cool. So what kind of stuff do you guys do that, that is different? I mean, you've gone through a lot of what uh, you, you do as a, a regional coordinator, uh, but what kind of stuff do you do that is different from what you've expected? to be doing. Like when you first took the job of regional coordinator, I'm sure you had an idea of what that meant when you first got Roughly. the job. And uh, so, so what, what surprised you? What's been different than what you expected? Um, I think for me, it's been, it's the, the amount of involvement in staffing a GP has been higher than I was expecting. And, and that's also, I mean, I think actually Turner and I both came to the RC position pretty much, I mean, right after we became L3, like very shortly yeah. after. And so we didn't have a whole lot of time to be L3s, just like normal L3s, team leading at Grand Prix and doing other things. We went right into the role of, okay, there's a GP in my region, and I need to sit down and do a whole bunch of stuff for it. And that's that. I think for and each region's TOs sort of treat the RCs maybe a little differently. Um, here in California and, and the the Midwest here, you know, working with Tim Shields at Cascade Games, like I do a lot. With the uh, with the actual running of the the judge management of a GP that they've got now for San Diego and also for uh, for San Jose coming up, I mean that's been a whole lot of time for me, but that's also in service to a specific TO for a specific event. But being the RC, uh, it's sort of like the perfect job for me to do in in helping that TO. Not all RCs do this, and not all RCs have a whole lot of GPs in their regions, and also. Uh, I should also mention that other RCs help out with this. Like Aaron Hamer had my had my region before I had it, and he still has a lot of connections in the area here, and he still does a lot for these large events when they come into town, especially working with with an outfit like Cascade Games. So, I mean, we we definitely do a, a lot of work for him, but like for the for the the GP in San Jose, like d doing all the judge manager aspects of that has been 
um, enlightening for me, but also not something I expected to do when I first took on the RC duties. Uh, so that's been surprising. But I mean, it's and that that's everything from making the final decisions on staff to um, you know, figuring out who's rooming with who at the ho- like their hotel rooms, uh, all the way down to you know making sure we have the like the judge foils. I'll, I'll be probably distributing those on site uh, and working with working with the head judge pretty closely in in making uh, some decisions on on who gets put in what positions on on those days, who needs those opportunities, that sort of thing. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot that goes into it that I, I wasn't expecting in terms of large event management. Other than that, I mean, I've really, I, I really came came into it knowing that there would be a lot of the, let's deal with serious concerns, let's deal with uh, conflict and and dealing with those sorts of things. I think also, I was expecting more that PTQ organizers would come to me with asking for more assistance and oh, generally speaking, <laughs> yeah, and and generally speaking, like I mean, the ones here in California, they're not, they're they're kind of they they kind of know what they're doing already because. Uh, either they're associated with a big store like Channel Fireball, uh, which is you know Jess, that's that's you there, um, or it's other things like I don't know, like they they've been running PTQs on site for a while, uh, so they don't really need a whole lot of assistance. And then the ones like outside of my immediate region here in Northern California, they they haven't really contacted me much at all. Uh, the first time that's happened was uh, earlier, right before I got on the phone here with you guys. I was on the phone with the organizer for a ptq in reno uh coming up in november and you know he's never run one at his store i think the last time reno had a ptq was years ago um so it'll be interesting to see how that one gets run but at least he's doing some 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 work of reaching out to me so i can put him in touch with the right resources that doesn't happen as often as i'd like um but it i'm I'm glad that it's starting to happen a bit more yeah uh unexpected for me would be the RC role of a GP, which didn't really exist uh, before Sean and I were regional coordinators. I, I never saw anybody, and, and back when Jared was our RC, that, that position didn't really exist. And it, it kind of just kind of spontaneously generated right around the time I became RC. So starting with Orlando in January, I had the Sunday, you wear the blue shirt, and you have to plan a day of RC stuff. So that was kind of unexpected, an unexpected challenge of, well, uh, no one's really telling me what to do. I don't really have a job. How can I mi- maximize my time <clears throat> with people that I don't get to see as often? You know, what are some initiatives that I want to do? What are some things I want to talk about? It actually takes took me about two solid weeks of planning, looking over the staff schedule, organizing meetings, talking to the head judges about, hey, can I pull this guy for 30 minutes? Hey, can I pull this guy for 15 minutes? Trying to see how long the meetings are going to take. Uh, one thing that was really cool that I was able to do in Orlando was actually have a a L2 plus meeting of strictly Alabama, which is a bunch of judges that I had never really worked with before uh, who had some concerns and some questions. And it was really awesome to be able to have that time uh, to sit and talk to all of them at once and kind of have a uh, open discussion. Uh, That was a surprise because that wasn't really explained to me because it came about after I became RC anyway, uh, that we were doing it. Uh, So far as the, the GP management, I'm not really as heavily involved in that as, as uh, Sean is because we have, your uh, host, ex Sentia, Mr. Brian Prilliman, is Jeff Williams' judge manager for he's this year in our region. And uh, I do work a lot with Brian. I talk to him on the phone a fair amount about staffing and choices and things of that nature. But Brian's usually the one that actually then takes it, submits it to the head judge and the TO, and, and does stuff like hotel rooms and things of that nature. That's about it. All right. So 
when I talk about being a regional coordinator, people, because it takes it takes up you know it takes up a significant amount of your time or a, a good amount of your time. Let's put it that way. You know, it takes up more time than just being a judge would take, and maybe even just being an L. Yeah. And uh, something people ask me is, are you guys? And you, I guess we don't have to discuss about it too much, but are you guys compensated any extra for being a regional coordinator for putting in all this extra work? Yes. So, yes, I, 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 yes, we are. I. That's <laughs> that's good. I'm not asking for specifics. Just yeah, I mean, it, some dollar, dollar bills. Like anything in judging, you don't stick with this um, long. You don't stick it with it for very long unless the intangibles outweigh the tangibles in terms of the benefits for you. And there are many intangible benefits for us, but the there are tangible benefits as well. I mean, there, there are um, yeah, there are definitely tangible benefits for it for us. Whether that's uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go into too many no. more specifics than that. But I'm yeah. I'm certain you guys aren't rolling in it, but just you know, no. it, it's you guys put in a lot of work, so it's nice. It's nice that you guys get even anything at all, just to to recognize the work that you guys are putting in. Yeah, well, we when I was I, without going into specifics, you know, when I was offered the position, you know, there's a letter and here's what you're expected to do and, and here's what the compensation is. One of the things that has surprised me is that every now and again you get a little extra thank you whether it just be a cool little letter from Andy or a little note or a little something, you'll get a, you know, a little, Hey, great, great job. I like what you're doing and on top of what, you know, is dictated in, in the paperwork uh, has been really nice. They, they really do. It, it really does seem like Andy and Christiana are really, really committed to making the RC program work. And uh, they're really committed to empowering the RCs that they've named to be able to do the job that they want them to do, which has been really nice. And they, they're willing to do what it is to keep, you happy to keep you in the position uh doing what it is that they want you to do yeah i mean it takes it takes a fair amount of resources to get us trained up to the point where we are now and they have a great deal of trust that they put in us with the kinds of things that they communicate to us and the kinds of things that they they ask us to take on um and have give us a lot of leeway in dealing with um so that that trust is it, it goes both ways too though and that they're they they, they also take care of us and they they definitely yeah. uh yeah, they, they make it they make it so that we, we definitely enjoy what we're doing um, for for a whole bunch of reasons. You know, Turner touched on something there I wanted to ask about is uh, how did you guys actually become regional coordinators? Uh, I know, let's see here. I know Turner's region was new during the time, and then Sean, you said you were actually replacing someone. Is that correct? No, not really. Um, so what what happened is it's that it's the same thing the, for both of us. Yeah, yeah. So what, what happened is that toward the End of 2011, beginning of this year, um, the regions in the U.S. got uh, changed up quite a bit. There used to be five before, and then there were eight. Um, and in creating eight regions out of five, uh, basically a lot of the regional coordinators moved around, um, and other people and, and some positions were shifted. For instance, Chris Richter was the regional coordinator for the Midwest, and he uh, his region sort of got split up in a couple different ways, and then also uh, he moved up to be the regional coordinator for the level threes. Uh, so he's uh, sort of he, he he works differently now. But Aaron Hamer had uh, basically my region in addition to he, he basically had the West Coast. Uh, so you uh, he had he had the West Coast for Washington, Oregon, and California. And then Alaska, Hawaii, Guam, and like I think maybe Idaho or, or one other state. And then there were other other people with other parts of the U.S. also. Um, so Aaron still has Oregon, Washington, Hawaii, Alaska, and then he also has I think Montana and Idaho 
and I just have those the four states, uh, you know, that I mentioned earlier: California, Arizona, Nevada, Utah. So I mean, we there are eight regions now in the U.S. Um, so they all kind of got shifted around a whole bunch. But Aaron is is very much still in our city. Yeah. So so what, but how did you actually become the regional coordinator? Did you like was there a conversation? It was an email. Uh, I woke up one Sunday morning, checked my email on my iPad. I'm expecting my royalty check from Steve Jobs. Okay. Uh, and I got an email from Christiana saying, hey, you know, we would like to offer you this position. Here's what it entails. Here's what the compensation is. Uh, let me know in a week if you want to do it. <laughs> uh, that was essentially it. Same for you, Sean? Yep, same email. Um, changed the name to me, but yes. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want something a little more mysterious. No, well, like, like, like they got some kind of pretty cut and dry. secret envelope. Yeah, delivered to their door with a with a stamp on it or something. Yeah, or they they woke up one morning and they're like, "Oh man, I can read other people's reviews on Judge Center now. I think I'm going to use these powers for good instead of evil." And then they just started coordinating things. I don't know. Yes, I like that. Well, you know, I replied in a roughly 17 seconds that I would like to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I took about a minute to get over my shock and then replied in 17 seconds after that. <laughs> yeah. So I only have one more question, Jess. Did you have anything else you wanted to ask? Uh, I do, actually. Uh, the question that I have, it, it, we talked a lot about what you do uh, for uh, GPs, PCQ organizers, and things along those lines. But uh, if I'm a level one judge, what does my regional coordinator mean to me? What is, what, what is he uh, or she, uh, in my judging career, so to speak, what what, how can they help me, or how how why should I know they exist? So to speak, you know, there are there everybody says, oh, you should know who your regional coordinator is, but why? Well, it depends what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you want to be a part of a GP staff, uh, we're going to help you to we're going to help you find a mentor or get the right resources you need to get to level two, so you'll be appropriate for a GP staff. Um, if you want to, you know, if you want to, it, yeah, if you if you want to do something at all in the program that's beyond just the normal duties of a, of a level one judge, then we'll find the resources to get you what you want to get out of the program. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest thing that we do is, you know, we, we don't really have a, a skill set that's, that's unique or different, but we, we're, uh, if you're familiar with the guy, Malcolm Gladwell, he's a, he's a, he's a writer. He does all sorts of things for Ted talks and whatnot, but, um, he talks about this one group of people that their specialty is connecting one person to another, but they don't actually have a whole lot of special qualities in and of themselves other than their, their charisma, their, their expect, their, their ability to communicate with others. But our job is really to connect people to the resources that they're looking for and to, to, you know, to connect people to the, the thing that will solve the problem that they've recognized or connect people to the thing that will enable them to achieve what they've asked, asked of the program or what they've offered to it. You know, we want to help people get to where they're going what, and that's entirely self-defined. So that level one judge should, I mean, I think the, the place to start is to understand why are you a judge? What do you want to be as a judge? And if there's something that you need in order to make that happen, then chances are we know where the resources lie to get to that, or um, we are the resource that will help enable you to, to find to, to find what you need. Yeah, that's good. I, we also, I think, a uh, big thing is the reason that they should get to know their, their regional coordinator is just that we give them the ability to have a dialogue with somebody 
that they normally might not have had the dialogue with, somebody who has, has knowledge sufficient really to, to, to meet their expectations, to address their concerns, and to motivate them to do what they want to do. A lot of, a lot of L1s, they, they don't know who to talk to. They don't know, they don't want to bother an L5 on IRC. They don't want to email Andy directly. Uh, you know, they don't want to throw something out on judge list that's going to be read by 3,000 people. So it gives them a good personal connection to have with somebody who can get them what it is that they need and, and, and talk to them about their ideas. And, and it, whether it's, hey, can you throw me some rules questions? My practice test cooldown isn't up yet. I'm, I'm really trying to get L2 this Saturday. Or, hey, I'm judging at this store and I don't think he's compensating me enough. What are some things I can say to him? You know, how can I go about talking to him? anything really hey this player is acting this way and the jar doesn't really cover it how can i help him out you know anything like that where you want somebody who who's empowered by the judge program to help you in that regard and you always have a point of contact with that that's one of the biggest benefits of being an rc is that you're just available so turner you mentioned that uh you know it's a good idea for judges to get to know the regional coordinator do you have any suggestions on how judges can do that oh yeah the regional coordinators are listed on wizard's website uh, they're also on the wiki, wiki.internationalmagicjudges.net slash regional underscore coordinators. Yeah, we'll post a link to that in the show okay. notes. Yeah, that's that's probably your best bet. There has a nice little... Also, I think on the new Judge Apps technology, you are given a region, and also your regional coordinator is listed on your profile page of Judge Apps, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, that's true. Jess, can I ask my last question? You got any more? Oh, I'm good. All right. I just want to know, what is your guys' favorite part about being a regional coordinator? What, what's the part you like the most? Talking to people. <laughs> Easy enough? That's really about it. It's problem solving and talking to people. Yeah, for, for me, it's, I mean, my normal day-to-day -day job is sitting behind a computer, crunching numbers and looking at spreadsheets. And I have a, uh, a burning desire to be part of something more, and this enables me to do that. Um, you know, back in college, I was a liberal, progressive activist doing all sorts of things like protests and silly things. And that's anonymous. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and now, you know, now that energy, I, I mean, I, I got out of politics and I got into, I, I wanted other ways to direct that, that interest in leadership, that interest in problem solving and conflict resolution and negotiation and, and helping people. Uh, you know, helping large organizations of people and, and organizing people. Like I used to work for a union, so this is this is the sort of thing that I I love doing. And I don't get this in my everyday life. So in my everyday workaday life, so this is something that I can use as a way to to fulfill that need to be part of something more, and in a way that actually you know um, increases the the net benefit to a whole bunch of others at the at the same time. Okay, great. That was a little more eloquent. <laughs> It's fine. You guys don't have to compliment each other on everything you say. You regional coordinators. I know you secretly hate each other. Oh, that's not true. All regional coordinators. It's the most fun judge list. It's also the smallest one, I think. Yeah, that yeah, probably helps. Yeah, among the 30 of us, we're we're a close-knit group, and we definitely um, we don't get to see each other as often as we should. But right. uh, we definitely and, – and we do have friendly competitions, but the DCI is not a competition, so – um, that's, well, at least that's what I'll say publicly. <laughs> well, if you guys are ready, then I think we should, uh, coordinate some listener emails. Love it. Love it. All right. I know Sean's been on the phone before as a uh, former host and 
creator of the show. So, Turner, I'm going to make you say mailbag. They didn't do this last episode, by the way. They thought they could get away with it without me there. I'm pretty sure we did get away with it without you there. Yeah, you did, because I wasn't there. But anyway, I just want you to say mailbag in a just loud, obnoxious voice. Your regular voice will work fine. That's about right. (laughs) Mailbag! Love it. Actually, Turner has a fantastic singing voice. I heard him singing in uh, Protor Philly. Yes. Serenaded me beneath a bridge in that creepy walk back to the hotel. I really did. I really thought I was going to get shot. You calmed us all with your soothing notes. Oh, I mean, I just passed level three, so I was obviously in a pretty decent mood. And uh, we we gave C.J. Schrader some wonderful renditions of some Belle Biv and DeVoe poison. (laughs) And also uh, some Bobby Brown, my prerogative. Yeah, sounds about right. So yeah, I made L3 at Philly also, but I didn't have anything like that experience. Oh, you got to hang out with the cool kids, C-Cat. No, I was hanging out with cool folks. I, I actually spent like, I, I spent probably something like four to six hours wandering around downtown Philly until around 2 a.m. Uh, talking with judges about all sorts of other things. Um, but yeah, it was, I, no, there was no singing involved. So that's, I guess, yeah. Yeah. So, our first mail comes from Will. Will says, hey, JudgeCast, I'm Will, a rules advisor with social anxiety disorder. He says he's always been a uh, decent, what? Oh, I've always been decent, but not uh, not great, but your cast really helps with the rules, and I've thought about becoming a level one, but that's where the social anxiety comes in. I've never had a panic attack that I know of, but my anxiety can get pretty bad sometimes, and I can end up a gibbering mess if that goes on too long. My main question would be, is there any way for me to get experience as a judge without going to a large event or, you know, without being in front of a lot of people? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Store events are not in front of a lot of people. And especially if you're shadowing under a certified judge, you don't have to get up and make the announcements. If you're not familiar or comfortable with it, you can even play in the event and just get up and take rules calls as they come in. Um, that's a real easy way to kind of break the ice and get get into the judging game only only at the pace that you want. There's there's nobody in the DCI who's going to say, hey, if you don't do the opening announcements, stay on your feet for a minimum of four hours, and and just to do nothing but take calls and, and be there with your hands behind your back servicing the players, that you can't be a judge. And that's not the case at all. It's strictly a volunteer organization. So whatever level that you're comfortable with, uh, go ahead and get involved in that level. And the store event is probably the best bet. All right. Our next question comes from Zach. People don't say where they're from. I feel like they used to say that. Ooh, he has a nice little quote in his signature, though. I think Zach is from Lapland. Lapland? From Nova Scotia. What? No, I'm going to read this quote in his his signature. I believe I see the gears of the eternal alchemy spinning before me. I feel I can almost reach out and turn them with my hands. Oh, that's Full Metal Alchemist. That show is off the is chain. It? You won't stop. Uh, that show's pretty cool. Anyway, Zach sent us a couple of questions. He went, First off, he said he wanted to start off by saying he loves the show, and I love Zach. So this is great. This works out perfect for both of us. He says, I have some questions that have been on my mind for a while. I got some of my friends into Magic, and I took them to an FNM draft. Round two, when I had a buy, I had a chance to spectate one of my friends. During the game, after a combat set, both players forgot to put creatures in the graveyard and change life totals. If I remind both of them not giving either of them an, a particular advantage other than increasing the life total of my friend, is that considered outside assistance? Or am I acting as the disciple of magic the cleanup step? Oh boy. There's no real such thing as magic or as outside assistance at regular REL. I mean, there, uh, there is. There, there definitely is such a thing <laughs> well, as, as outside assistance at regular. 
the, the, the heavily penalized version that you'll run into at a PTQ does not exist sure. uh, at FNM. But you will you will have the judge of the event not happy with you. Yes. Sure, but if you're if you're just stepping in to say, hey guys, wait, I see a mistake, let's fix it. Um, I think a judge that chastises you for that, I mean, especially, I mean, so many FNMs happen without a judge there that, okay, first rule is if there's a judge there, call a judge and have him fix it. There we if go, I like that. Yeah, if there's, if there's not a judge there, then step in and say, hey guys, we need to fix this. And, and then you're becoming the judge, and that sounds like something that maybe you'd be good at. Um, so give that a shot. But yeah, that's, that's definitely... Like stepping in and applying state-based actions is something that um, is much better than the alternative of being like, well, I'm just going to wait until it, until something else goes wrong or until they notice it themselves. Like, no, that just it's regular rules enforcement. Just just step in and and let you know, fixing the problem is is what regular should be all about. Fix the problem and play magic. Yeah, and and one thing I want to mention is that um, at regular that's fine. At competitive, you need to start being a little careful. If you had this exact same situation, I don't think a judge is going to get on you that much where, you know, just a couple of creatures are supposed to be dead and you're just like, hey, guys, those creatures are supposed to be dead. Eh. But you need to start being really careful, particularly with, like, a missed trigger because that can slide into outside. I, I think it's just a better rule of thumb and safer to say don't do that. Like, yeah, if you see something wrong, call a judge because you don't know if you're accidentally giving outside assistance there. Uh, or if you're, or maybe you missed something that's that's making you your understanding incomplete of the game state. Uh, so it's best if you think something is wrong, you can have the players stop playing at, at a PCQ, but don't tell them what's going on in their game state. Just call a judge. And, and as a professional, you cannot stop them. You can just call a judge. Yeah. You do not stop the game. And professional is uh, Pro Tour Day Two of yes. GP. Right. Although 90% of the time, when the guy standing next to the match raises his hand and shouts, Judge, both players are going to stop. stop what they're doing anyway. Yeah. But you're not supposed That's to true. stop. Right. All right, let's move on to his second question. He says, at the same draft, he drafted a red-green aggro deck. He controlled a Garrick's pack leader. Oh, let me read these cards. It's the, the guy that whenever a creature yeah. enters the battlefield under your control with power through your higher, you draw a card. It's a 4-4 yes, for 5. Would, yes, that's Garrick's pack leader. Oh, he even actually put the text of the card in his, uh, in his question. Oh, That's great. He also casts Flint Hoof 4, which Flint Hoof 4 reads, uh, it's a 2-2 that reads Flint Hoof 4 gets plus 1 plus 1 if you control a mountain. Uh, naturally, he also controls a mountain. Living the dream. He, want, he wants to know if uh, if the pack leader will trigger in this situation. Yes. All right, next question. <laughs> uh, yes, does this involve state-based actions at all? No. Uh, uh, static uh, abilities, yeah. which is what Flint Hoof 4 has are taken into account when something that's looking at an enters the battlefield trigger event happening occurs. Like when, when you have a creature enter the battlefield and you have, you're controlling Garrick's pack leader, it's going to apply static abilities before the pack leader checks its power. Yeah. Sounds good to me. All right, let's move on to our next question. It's from Spencer Arjuna. Arjuna? Arjuna? says, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but when the up untap step causes triggers to go on the stack, they are put on the stack in the upkeep step. All right, so far so good. So if I control triggers that say at the beginning of your upkeep and triggers that trigger from the upkeep step, like if a triggered ability happens from something untapping, I think he meant to say untap step there. Does he choose the order of those triggers? So he's basically saying, I have something that triggers when something untaps. Oh, so that would, okay. And then he also says, I have something at the beginning of my upkeep trigger. Does he get to order those? Because 
He's asking, are all the triggers in, uh, going on the stack at the same time? Yes. Or what's going on? <laughs> yes, he gets to order them. Could you explain a little more about why that might be? Oh, geez, here we go. It's my panel all over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start. Let's start here. First off, why don't they go on the stack in the untapped? No player step? gets priority in the untapped step. You have to have a player getting priority before triggers can go on the stack. All right. And the first time that happens is during the upkeep. Yes. Okay. The way triggers work is if they if a trigger condition occurs, uh, the trigger triggers and waits to be put onto the stack. It waits until the next time a player would receive priority uh, to be put on the stack. So the next time a player receives priority is at the beginning of the upkeep step. We have the trigger from the untapped step waiting to be put on the stack, and we have the trigger from the beginning of the upkeep step waiting to be put on the stack. The way magic works is if you have two triggers going onto the stack at the same time, controlled by the same person, you can choose the order in which those triggers go onto the stack. All right. Wow. Yeah, I got nothing else to say to that. <laughs> That is answered. All right, we got one last question from Andrew Wilson. It is about something he saw at the Magic Players Championships. Oh, cool. Oh, I was a big fan of that cube draft. Yeah, I tried to watch that all I could. Uh, I was. Yeah, me too. Unfortunately, I have no internet at home. You know, I should tell the listeners how much I love them because it was not easy for me to get out here and record. I have, I have no internet at home. I'm at a friend's house, so I got to thank my friend Kay for putting me up. And let me borrow her internet tonight. All right, Kay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kay. Yeah. And then also... You're I've, okay with me. I've been quite ill, and it's uh, wrecked my voice, but I'm fine now. So, Good. Andrew asks us, he sees Luis Scott Vargas cast a Price of Progress. I don't think it... No, it doesn't really matter what Price of Progress does. While his opponent controlled a uh, Grand Arbiter Augustin the Fourth. The Fourth. And Grand Arbiter Augustine the Fourth makes white spells cost one more to cast, and blue spells cost one blue spells one cost less. one more less to cast, and spells your opponent's cost cast cost one more to cast cast cost one more to cast yeah yes and Price of Progress is a red card so it would cost one more to cast when his opponent is casting it. Uh, he didn't realize as he was costing it, but he only paid two mana for the spell when it should have cost three due to the uh, Grand Arbiter Augustine the Fourth. With the spell on the table, I guess they realize this at some point. He decided not to try to take it back, and he went ahead and just paid the extra mana and went on to lose the game, but that's not really relevant. Uh, he said that Zach Hill commentating noted that you once you declare the casting of a spell, you can't try to change your mind about it. Andrew wonders, is this true? Well, I, I'm not really sure. Like, if I say Price of Progress cast two, I can't... Is that what he's asking? I can make it three, even though it is three? So... I, I think I, I think I know the play that he was talking about here. I think I remember watching this in the coverage. The the so the way that the, the listeners asking the question about it. So it, it really depends on what Luis did when he cast the spell. If he cast the spell only paying two mana for it, then he did it illegally, and the comp rules have a specific way that we deal with. Illegal actions. Uh, it's section seven uh, seven one seven of the rules handling illegal actions. Now, if he cast it and then and then I mean basically, so if he's casting it and saying, "Well, oops, it costs three, not two, and and just pays pays it like that, that's certainly something that he 
I mean, it, it's the way that magic actually gets played in the real world, and sometimes that just works out that way, and that's how the, how the player is going to deal with it. If a judge is actually watching it intently and says, "Hey, I saw you pay only two for this, and then tap your third mana," that's really just a judgment call, I, I think. But my my expectation is that he if he cast it, only paying two mana, and then and then we notice it, like if his opponent had called for a judge then and there then the right way to approach that is to rewind the illegal actions, just like we have in, in 717 in the in the comp rules. Um, we rewind all the illegal actions, and that goes for, for illegal actions also that are like, so I, I, I cast my price of progress only paying two mana when I should have paid three, or that also goes for casting things with an illegal target or with, with other things like that. Um, basically, if I do something illegal, that's the one part of the comp rules that deals with backing things up and that sort of thing. The comp rules are usually just how cards interact, but um, and we usually have the, the IPG or other policy documents for, for other fixing other problems that are, are sort of outside the game, but that's one section of the rule of the comp rules that does deal with that. Yep. So I think a quick summary is uh, basically if in if in the steps of casting a spell, any part of that step, any step is illegal, we just rewind the whole casting of the spell, the card goes back to your hand and we just start all over. Um, a lot of people sometimes seem to think that, say, I Doomblade your black creature, that now I have to choose a new target for Doomblade because the first one was illegal. But that's not how it works. We just rewind the whole spell. Mm-hmm. Some people are also under the impression that if you try to Doomblade a black creature, then Doomblade fizzles goes to the graveyard. Yes, that too. And, and that also is something that does not happen. Correct. Well, it, it, it sort of can happen. And if, if I Doomblade your white creature and then you Deathlace it to black... Then my Doomblade goes to the graveyard. So, yeah, the question we need to ask ourselves is, was an illegal play made? Not, is there an illegal target, but was this spell played illegally? If it was played illegally, then that can't happen. We have to go back to the moment before the illegal play happened, if possible. Yeah. All right. Well, we seem to fly through the mail when we uh, when we have L3s on, I guess. Or maybe when we don't have Brian Filament around to slow us down. That, that could be a thing that's happening, yeah. That could be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, wow, guys, we're, uh, we're actually already approaching the end of the show. Do you guys have any anything you want to put out there as ways for people to contact you, anything like that? I know, I know. like I said, we're already going to put up the links to the regional coordinators in the show notes, which has contact information for both of you. Well, I, actually, I do have one other thing. Um, we... It's, I, and I'm guessing as a vacation destination in Florida, Justin probably has some of this also. Um, and that is that I get judges who move to my region either for school or for long-term vacations or things like that on a somewhat frequent basis where they, and if you come to, if you're coming to California on a, you know, for more than say a month at a time, get in touch with me because we, we definitely have resources out here, opportunities out here for you to exercise your judging muscles. I mean, that's what we do for San Diego is headed to Israel for some time uh, later on this year. And we got in touch, we got him in touch with a level two who's out in Israel and he may be testing somebody out there for level, level two because they don't have a level three in the country that can run around and test level twos in Israel. So if you're moving from one place to another, uh, for even just a, a long-term vacation or for school or that sort of thing, get in touch with the regional coordinator in the region you're going to because even though it's not your home region, we still care about having you as part of our community and still want to give you those opportunities. Turner, do you have any message for the masses? Uh, just 
use it, use the RC program. Uh, we, we aren't going to ignore you unless we forget your email or don't see it or read it and, and forget to answer it. Uh, make use of, of us while we're here. That, that's, that's what we're here to do. So anything at all, even if it's not something we directly are involved in and can't really help you with, there aren't many of those things. But if it happens to be one of those things, we'll tell you where you do need to go to, to get your problem solved. So, I mean, at this point in time and at this, this maturity level that the judge program has, there, there's no reason for a judge to be sitting there at their computer or sitting there at a tournament and just feel lost and not know what to do. Get in contact with us, get talking to us, and, and let us help you out. Also YOLO. Also YOLO. You do only live once. You only live once. All right, well, can you cut that part out? No, please do. No. <laughs> no. YOLO. YOLO Never. cast. Long no, it is not YOLO care. cast. Oh, man. What, is, what has become of this creation of mine? Deal with it. Now, now, now I know how Dr. Frankenstein felt. Yeah, deal with it. All right. This must, this, obviously, this is exactly how Dr. Frankenstein felt. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of parallels here. <laughs> well, if you, the listener, wants to send us any questions, comments, concerns, tips on how to YOLO the best way we can, send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. And you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. I like it when you guys like us on Facebook because I get an email every week telling uh, telling me how many likes and we've gained and lost and how many people are following us and talking about us, and it just makes me feel good about myself. So you should like us on Facebook. Sean Cadenese just added southwestjudges at gmail.com to the chat. I'm not sure why. <laughs> because <laughs> would because you, reasons. Would you like to explain why? Could it type? Yeah, that's how you can get in touch with me directly. Uh, that's That's... That's an email address that will uh, connect to me uh, directly without using my personal email. Um, but, it, yeah. And I think, Justin, do you have one of those, too? I used to. I don't use it. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. There you go. That's how that is. <laughs> I use my personal email because, unlike Sean's, it doesn't have profanity in it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. That's, that's what my, I can my, assume is the only reason. Yeah, my, my last name is actually an, an epithet when you... Uh, you know, read it backwards and and, uh, and roll you know. the R's. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> what? What? I'm so confused right now. I think that's an excellent way to go out. Consider yourself coordinated. For all... <laughs> <laughs> all right, for all the listeners out there, thank you so much for listening. My name is CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Sean Cadenese. I don't have a, a tagline anymore because these two guys took it. <laughs> And I'm Justin Turner. I keep it gutter and I keep it grimy. My name's Sean Catanese. <laughs> I have a mellow voice. I'm talking about staffs. Did he just mute himself? <laughs> I think he did. He's done with us. A wise move. You should smoke and drink. It kills all the bacteria in your blood and you stay healthy. And then we'll read some emails. That's a coughing break. Hold on. If I talk too much, I have to cough. I got this, though. Podcast Pro. Beep, 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 beep